So we're in transition before before we start uh, the teaching. I uh, just want to say a little bit more about transition. I'm getting clear on my beliefs and values and getting congruent and who I am and what fits and works for me. Uh, and as a consequence, um, people who match that vibration are hanging around and people who don't match that vibration are leaving, <laughs> which is what you expect, right? Uh, opposite vibrations will cancel each other out. But I am... Nevertheless, very encouraged about the future, and one of the reasons for that is I truly believe this. I truly believe that we came with certain <clears throat> things that we were called to do and meant to do and purpose to do, and as long as we are authentic with that, then life can offer us what goes along with that. When you're not congruent, and I'll explain that in a little bit, but when you're not, when, when you're not uh, yeah, I'm into this, but ugh, there's something just not doesn't feel right about this. But you keep pushing forward anyway. Uh, part of you wants to, you're ambivalent. Part of you wants to do it, and part of you doesn't want to do it. You're not congruent, right? So when you find congruence, then life can begin to um, send you what matches that vibration, and then things can be done with grace and ease, and not with struggle and battle. So appreciate all y'all that vibrate on the same frequency, or at least want to see where it's going. Uh, again, I said this in the first service, but I just want to say this again. I want to get outside of the church limitations, and here's what I mean by that. When you identify yourself with a particular label, you allow people to categorize you and therefore limit you. When you identify yourself with a certain label, you categorize yourself and thereby limit yourself. Yes? So what we don't want to do is say you have to believe these certain things in order to find love and acceptance and belonging here. You have to believe these certain things to identify with us and fit in our category or in our group. So funny because I was talking to Al Coletti this last week and uh, I said, you know, there's people out there. Uh, I had a, a friend from out of the country who messaged me and he said, I googled your city and you're quite the talk of the town both for good and for gossip. So no idea what he was finding on the internet, but I thought that was interesting. <laughs> and uh, but one of the things that's going around, you know, is I'm starting a cult, starting my own religion, all that other stuff. And talking to Al, and he's like, it's the exact opposite of that. You're giving people freedom to say you don't have to fit into a certain box or believe like us or believe like me or act like us or act like me in order to fit and belong. And so what I'm hoping is that we can create community that is supportive, radically supportive, and loving and accepting of where people are, to understand that God's got everybody in this thing. And he's working in everybody's life. And just because a person may not be where you are does not mean God is working less in them than what God is doing in you. Right? And we want to be a place where they can find support and encouragement to get around the next corner. And maybe that's just get a job. Or maybe that's just get over some trauma from their past, or who knows. But just helping them get around the next corner of what's going on in their life in a supportive fashion, in a non-judgmental fashion, regardless of what they have done to themselves or brought on themselves, or you tracking with me? And so if we can provide that, then within the community, what I'd like to see is those of you that have you know, interests or gifts or abilities or whatever, and you want to do something, you're free to do it. Um, do not come and say, this is what I think the church should do, and then lay it at my feet and expect me to do it, because that ain't going to happen. I'm just telling you that up front. But if you have something you want to do, by all means, we want to release you and empower you to, to go for it and try to help you be successful with it, as long as it's contributing to the cause of 
being a place of radical love and acceptance and support for people and not something that's creating uh, barriers or limitations for people. Make sense? Uh, then we want to offer workshops. We want to offer um, tools uh, that we can put in people's hands, provide space for people who are doing things like uh, energy work or even massage or getting started in counseling or something, and they need space to do it. We want to be able to set apart some of our space, which is why we're changing things in the hospitality room. Some of you have asked. We don't have a lot of rooms or a lot of spaces. We need to create a space where people can get counseling and that kind of stuff. Um, so we will figure out the hospitality part of it going forward. But look around. Um, our offerings obviously have dropped considerably. We don't have any extra money right now. So we're probably going to have to quit even for now buying donuts and coffee and all that stuff unless somebody wants to start a collection plate for it or something and make contributions and it can come in that way. But as far as taking it out of our budget, we're going to have to quit doing that for now. Obviously. Makes sense. Um, so, any questions about that stuff before we get started? Or, so, I don't know exactly what all it's going to look like, but please, you know, hang in there with us. I think it's going to be great. Somebody have a question? Nope. Um, and well, you know, I'm, I'm actually working with someone who's coaching me and helping me get a, like, a year business plan and five-year plan and identify vision and mission and all that stuff. And I hate doing that stuff. But I have to say, after last week, um, I felt like an elephant got lifted off my chest because I could just come out and say, this is who I am, this is what fits for me. And just by doing that, um, ideas and stuff for vision and mission statements and that kind of stuff was starting to come to me. The really interesting, I just want to throw this out just because I'm, I'm a contrarian. Um, but the, there's a... There's a book out, if you've, if you've gotten into all the motivational stuff and leadership stuff and all that stuff, I would highly recommend reading a book called The End of Leadership. Uh, I forget who the author is, her name, but she runs the, uh, she's the chair of Harvard, Law, uh, Harvard Business School. And so she's considered one of, if not the foremost expert on leadership and organizational management in the world. And she says flat out, all that stuff that they teach you at the leadership stuff is a complete waste of time. And she has the statistics to prove it. (laughs) And uh, she goes all the way back to um, the uh, French Revolution to show how there's been a trajectory to where people are ending their need for leadership. And then offers some ideas for where things are going forward. This is a lady that chairs Harvard Business School. So she's no slouch. So I'd highly recommend it. it's called The End of Leadership. But some of that stuff that, that people expect, they expect it because they learned it at some leadership conference. And she points out, you know, in the 90s and 2000s, there was more money spent on leadership development than in any other time in history. And yet we have a more of a leadership lack in politics <laughs> in corporations, and even in families than we've ever had maybe at any other time. And so she really points out that whole thing is, is just a moneymaker for people. I don't know why, I'm, why am I talking about that. But anyway, if you want to understand that, it's called The End of Leadership. I'd highly recommend reading it. All right. You ready to get started with something else?
okay to shift gears? Again, if you have questions, please come up and ask me. Uh, and I know we're kind of in transition right now, which means the old is dying off, but also the new is coming. Excited about the Awakening Festival. We thought it'd just be kind of a small thing. It, maybe, you know, if we get 60 people coming, we'd be happy. We'd feel like we were a success. Uh, we were thinking maybe 10 or 12 booths, if possible, for the event. Um, at last check, I think we had 24, and we've turned several away. Uh, people that are just going to have booths. Um, we have speakers lined up for the whole day from the community. And like Jeanette said, there's, there was like 680-some people that were interested or going last time I checked on Facebook. Um, and so hopefully, if, Lord willing, and if the weather uh, goes well, uh, it'll be a success. If you can help us promote it, we've got flyers and stuff still on the back table. If you can help us get those out, that would be great. I know, again, Jeanette and some other people have worked really hard to get pull this together and to get the word out about it and stuff. So I think that'll help us. We're going to get a big sign, too, that people can actually see. Um, redesign the website and offer some things. So what I envision us becoming is something that's more holistic in the sense that we're not focused only on spirituality and God, but understand that that's one aspect that is important in people's lives, but they also need tools for psychological well-being, mental and emotional well-being, relationships, finances, um, as well as being able... Sometimes you know the right thing, but you're just carrying the wrong energy. And so energy work can also help shift your energy and make changes in your life. And so we'll provide that for people as well, so that you're providing tools for people in every area, not just the one area. So that's what I mean. Like when you're when you're a church, you're limited to we talk about God. Got it? So I'm just hoping not to not to diminish in any way what we're doing, but to expand what we're doing. And so people who want to be expansive will resonate with what we're doing and hook up. People who aren't ready to challenge their limitations, not so much. <laughs> so, does that make sense? Everybody kind of clear on that? All right. So what should we talk about today? How about we talk about some keys to... Just successful living. <clears throat> How's that sound? It's keys to successful living. I think the key, the, the, the most important key, if I was going to come down to the most important key on success in any area of life, uh, most areas of life, it boils down to communication. And communication boils down to words. So here's what I mean by this. We all have our individual self, right? Uh, in, in whatever context. Think about a context that you want change in your life. Any context that you want change. Any context in your life that you want to see growth. Any area that you're struggling and you want to see success. Get something in mind. Now, on one level, there's you. Right? But more than likely, unless it was just, I want to become a better meditator, which is okay, it's a, it's a good goal. But otherwise, there's other people involved. 
There's a context for it that has some kind of relationships. No matter what it is. Right? And so, therefore, how well you can connect with yourself and how well you can connect with other people is going to a very large degree determine your success. (laughs) Right? And both of those are dependent upon how well you communicate or how well you talk. How well are you or how able are you to connect with someone else understand where they're coming from and communicate where you're coming from in a way that builds bridges, hopefully. And so that's how you talk to other people. Yes? Yes? And then the second key is how do you talk to yourself? See, most of us don't take the action to change the thing, to do the things in our life that we need to do to be successful or change the things in our life that we want to change because we don't feel empowered to do it. We don't, we don't take empowered or, as I said earlier, congruent action. So why do some people take empowered action and other people take disempowering actions? Two people can be in the same situation, same thing. One person takes empowering action and goes out and creates success. The other person doesn't take any empowering action and so goes out and does not generate the outcomes or the results that they're looking for. What's the difference between the two? The difference is always what the person is doing internally, what the way they are framing up the situation and the things that they are saying to themselves about the situation determines what happens. So that the truth is we are all operating off of our maps and models of the world. The way we are representing the situation to ourselves and what we are saying to ourselves about the situation that we are in determines how we feel about it and how we feel about it determines what we do about it. Do I need to say that again? <laughs> what we are, the way we are representing a situation to ourselves And then the way we are dialoguing or talking to ourselves about the situation that we're in and representing to ourselves determines how we feel about it. And how we feel about it determines whether or not we take action on it. So it all comes back to how are you looking at this? What is your model of the world? So in other words, whatever your core beliefs are, whatever the rules you are that you follow in your life, and whatever your values are, determine your limitations and determine whether or not you're able to take action. And a lot of that is determined by how you are speaking and talking and representing the situation to yourself. The truth is, what's real is what feels real to you. What's real to you is what feels real to you. What feels real to you in your body or in your neurology, not what's actually going on around you. What's going on around you, no one ever, this is a truth of humanity, it is self-evident if you think about it, and it's irreversible. No one ever operates on reality as it is. No one ever operates in real truth as it is. Everyone operates off of reality as they perceive it. And truth as it is their truth, not as it actually exists subjectively in the world. Because the reason you cannot really operate on truth is because there's always more truth to know. There's always something that you're editing from what's going on and looking at and focusing upon and therefore acting upon. Therefore, you're operating always in every situation from a limitation. 
And we do it unconsciously. And oftentimes it's our beliefs that are determining how we're functioning. So, for example, strong guiding beliefs give you the power to take action and create the world you want. Yes? See, here's the thing. God gave you the ability to make meaning and be creative. God gave you the ability to do that. God brought in the story all the animals to Adam to see what Adam would call them, and whatever Adam called them, that's what they became. Watch how Jesus says this. He says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, right, you can say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and it would obey you. And he says, whatever you say, if you don't doubt in your heart... What you say will happen. So Jesus is saying, look, you, the, the universe, the world, if you say to this uh, uh, mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, it will obey you. So Jesus is saying the world is created in such a way that it will conform to you. It will conform to your words, it will conform to your actions, and it will conform to your beliefs, and it will respond to your doubts. Because if you have doubt in your heart, that mountain's not going to obey you. So therefore, the world responds to you based on what you're putting out. Jesus said it this way, with the measure you use, it will what? Be measured back to you. So whatever you're putting out is what you're going to get. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart, what? Brings forth good things. The evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart does what? Brings forth evil things. They both get their reality. Both realities are true, but it's proceeding from whatever they're doing inside. Whatever they're doubting, thinking, believing, whatever they're doing. And the universe is created to match that vibration so that whatever you're feeling inside shows up in your life. That, when the children of Israel went out into the wilderness, the first part of Exodus says that, that Pharaoh made their lives bitter. Everybody say bitter. Bitter with hard bondage. What is bitterness? If not a feeling. If not a vibration, if not a reality that you're carrying inside yourself. Yes? Right? They leave the Egypt. They go across the Red Sea. What is the very first thing they encounter in the wilderness? Very first thing. Bitter waters. Mara. They start drinking from bitter waters. Why? Because the bitterness inside them was being mirrored to them in their circumstances and situations. And they had to drink the bitter waters because God was using the circumstance to reflect back to them what was really going on inside of them. And then offering a solution to change the bitterness that was in them to something that was sweet. Later on down the road, they get tired of the manna, don't they? They get tired of the manna and they start complaining, right? Our soul, watch, where's your soul? It's your inner person. Our soul loathes this bread. What happened? (laughs) They ate quail, right? What else happened? They grumbled against Moses and what happened? Serpents showed up in the wilderness to do what? To bite them. So again, the poison that they were putting out from their soul, right, was attracting the very thing the universe was giving them, the world was giving them the very thing that was in their vibration. Finally, it gets illustrated perfectly when they go in the promised land, right? Moses sends the 12 spies into the promised land. Ten of them come back and say, what? We can't take the land. Watch, watch what they're doing. 
This land is full of giants. It's full of strongholds. It devours its inhabitants. And we were in their sight like grasshoppers, and so we were in our sight. What are they doing? They're speaking their truth. And what did God say? So be it. They said, God hates us. He brought us out in the wilderness to die. What happened to them? God brought them out in the wilderness to die. Same God. Different guy. Caleb says, we're well able to take the land. There'll be food for us. These enemies will be food for us. They'll make us stronger. These battles will make us stronger. And the same God that was with us in Egypt is with us now. And He's given us the land. And what did He say? We are what? well able to take it. And then Joshua comes along and says, yeah, I side with him. <laughs> right? So, who got to go in the promised land? Joshua and Caleb. Why? So what did God do for them? Brought them into the promised land. What did God do for the other bunch? Brought them out in the wilderness to die. Which one was true? Which one did God will? All of it. (laughs) That's why you could say, look, I set before you this day, life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore... You choose. So here's the thing. We get to choose what we believe, and we get to choose the meaning that we give to situations. There is no right or wrong. There is no right or wrong. There's just, there is no truth or lie. It's just a matter of what do you want to experience? What do you want to bring forth out of your heart? How do you want the, 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 the world around you to match? Right? So if you have strong beliefs, if you have empowering beliefs, if you're talking to yourself in a healthy and encouraging way, then you've got a different vibration that you're sending off and the world will start giving you what you're putting out. But how many of us are truly conscious of our models of the world? How many of us are truly conscious of what we believe? How many of us are truly conscious of how the movies that we're playing and how we're representing situations to ourselves? And how many of us just feel like life's happening to us? (laughs) We all have a set of core beliefs, things that we really, really, really believe, things that absolutely in our neurology, in our body, feel certain and true and ground us. And those core beliefs can be healthy and empowering, and a lot of them can be sick and twisted and and, and disempowering. But because they feel true, we stick with them. (laughs) And here's the other thing about beliefs. Okay, so... You've heard me say this before. You do not see the world as it is. You see it as you create it to be by the meanings that you give, which means you filter situations and sort situations to best fit your model of reality that you brought to the situation. Are you breathing? And this is a lot to, maybe a lot to throw out in one setting. So Gregory Bateson, who's a brilliant um, linguist, said this, he, he said that we're, according to him, everyone is being stimulated stimulated with millions of bytes of information at one time. So just in this room right now, not only are you experiencing me speaking, whatever you're looking at, you're experiencing whatever you're choosing not to see is coming at you in the background, whatever you're feeling, your clothes, 
your shoes on, the seat, all, all this information, whatever background sounds are there that you're tuning out, all that information is coming to you, right? A lot of it gets filtered out by just your brain because it can't process all that information. So it just gets ap- absolutely filtered out. What's left over, he says, is 200,000 pieces of information. 200,000. And you can consciously focus on anywhere from five to nine pieces of information out of that 200,000 at any given moment. Which means your, your brain has to audit or edit, I'm sorry, not audit, edit a hundred and what? 99,993? So you're not even living in the majority of what's going on. Your brain's only able to handle that tiny sliver of what's actually happening. And then you have that input come in and you represent it to yourself in a model to create what psychologists call a gestalt or a whole picture. So you think this is the whole, so your seven to nine, I'm sorry, your five to nine pieces of information that you focus on out of 200,000, then you create a model that say this is the whole of it. Which means that you are constantly editing, deleting, distorting information to make it fit your model of the world. What determines what you allow in and what you don't? What's the gatekeeper that says, this is important information to focus on, this is not important information to focus on? The gatekeeper is what you believe at a core level. Your core beliefs will only allow you to see and experience what you believe. And will absolutely negate whatever contradicts that information, and that's why you stay limited. The problem is is that those core beliefs, most of us aren't aware of them, and most of us never chose them. (laughs) Core beliefs determine your experience because they serve as the filters that sort out your experiences. You always get more of what you really believe. You always get more of what you really believe. And you filter out whatever contradicts those beliefs. So it becomes self-confirming. I believe this. I keep experiencing it. Therefore, I believe it more. Because my experience confirms to me what I believe. What you don't realize, though, is you can only experience what you believe. (laughs) So until you change your core beliefs, you don't open any access or room or doorways for any other type of experience to come to you. So that you are always experiencing and drawing and attracting into your life what you believe and you will always get more of what you believe at a core level. Not what you say you believe up here in your conscious mind because your conscious mind is is completely freaking clueless. It really is. Your conscious mind is clueless about what's really going on with you. And that's where communicating with yourself is important. Because if your conscious mind has no rapport with your unconscious mind... You will constantly experience what you believe and not know why. You'll say, I believe this because he's just a floater out here that does not have a clue. He's like, he's like the supervisor that uh, nobody likes and everybody maintains a facade when the management comes around. You, you ever work for one of those companies? Like the big boys from wherever, Denver, Washington, Texas, whoever, they're coming down. What happens? Oh my God. Everybody scurries and what does everybody do? They try to make it look like it ain't really what it's like. 
We try to cover all the stuff we've been doing, all the areas that we've been slacking, clean the, clean the space, make sure it passes the white glove thing. Oh my God, I hope they don't look here. Oh, I hope in the audit they miss this. Anybody? Right? So the supervisors come in and what do they do? Yeah, looks good, looks great. They leave and then you're dealing with the same mess you were dealing with before they left, right? That's the conscious mind. So you can consciously say, I believe in healing, I believe in success, I believe in prosperity, I believe in love, I believe in non-judgment, I believe in all this stuff. And it's just the conscious mind going in and saying, okay, and all these unconscious parts are like, oh, he's paying attention, let's make sure we make it look good, and let's keep our defense mechanisms up, and let's keep all this stuff going on, and keep all the balls in the air and stuff. And then when the conscious mind goes to sleep, then all of a sudden you have a nightmare. You go, oh, what was that nightmare? Well, that nightmare is what's really going on. <laughs> and your conscious mind can't deal with it. It says, oh, no, no, no. It was just a pizza dream. So the key to success is to understand what's your core belief. Well, what, what do you believe down to your bones? What do you believe at an emotional level? What, what do you believe at a neurological level? And it isn't always pleasant. <laughs> If you worry and get stressed out, guess what? You've got some core beliefs operating (laughs) that are painting for you worst case scenario futures. And the reason you're having them is not because life is against you, it's because it's what you believe. And that's the vibration you're putting out. And unfortunately, the universe is like, oh, they want more trouble. They want more hardship. They want more stress. Let's give it to them. And so then what happens? Oh my God, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. I knew it was going to go like this. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And so then what does that do? It builds credibility to your worrier. So now you put your worrier out there with even a more intense vibration. And what do you attract? Because the universe matches what you're giving it. It's in your Bible. All right, let me give you another example. We all have beliefs about cause and effect. Everybody just say with me, cause and effect. All right, so they've done studies, and here's what they found out. Successful people attribute cause and effect very differently from people who are, are not successful. And by success, I just mean you're able to get the results you set out to get. That's all I mean. Because success means different things to different people. Successful people attribute their successes to themselves. They attribute their successes to themselves. For example, if they pass an exam, they were smart. They studied. They were well-educated. If they're a top athlete, they have faith in their physical talent, their physical ability. They have faith in their training. So if they pass the test, I was smart, I did it right. If they win an event, man, I trained hard and I was just, I had the skills. Right? These same people, when they fail, their attribution suddenly changes. They are no longer the cause of their failures. It is something outside of themselves that created the problem. Well, that test was too hard. The professor didn't do enough to prepare us for the exam. What he taught us isn't what he tested us on. If they fail athletically, it was the field was messed up or my shoes were bad that day or 
the other athlete was just at the top of their game that day, I'll get them next time around. They never make their failures about themselves. Now, what do you suppose unsuccessful people do? They absolutely reverse it. When they have success, they attribute it to something outside themselves. They go and they pass the exam and they say, well, that exam was easy. Anybody could have done it. They get financial success. I just got in at the right time. I just got in the right place at the right time. I've just been lucky. I've just been blessed. It's just been the favor of God. Athletically, they do something. I don't know what God, I don't know what happened that day. I guess that person didn't eat breakfast or something. Person I beat didn't eat breakfast. Or the referees overlooked when I was breaking the rules. Yeah. You see it? But then when they fail, then it's them. They don't pass the test. Oh, I'm just not very smart. I'm terrible at taking tests. Athletically, I always mess up in the clutch. You see it? Same events, but people interpreting them differently. And here's the thing, gang. You get to choose the meaning that you give to situations. There is no absolute out there. There is no absolute truth. There is no right or wrong when it comes to this. You get to choose. I said before you, life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore you choose. You choose your model of the world. You choose how you talk to yourself and how you believe about yourself and what you say to yourself. Here's another belief. I know some of you bumped up against this when I was talking about that. Successful people attribute their successes to themselves and their failures to something outside themselves. And we don't like those kind of people. Somebody in here somewhere is like, I don't know, that, that's, that's the problem. That's arrogant. That's self-centered. That's not taking ownership of your flaws, whatever. Oh, now we've got other beliefs, see, layered on top of those beliefs that are protecting you from making a change. Man, I really want to be successful. Well, to be successful, you've got to believe in yourself. Well, if I believe in myself, I'm arrogant. Ah, see, Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. I don't like those people. And this is how they are. So therefore, I will not change the way I am because I've already judged how they are. So therefore, the same judgment I measure out to them, I measure out to myself. And I cut myself off from experiencing the life that they're experiencing. Even though I really want it. So I'll just pray harder. See, this is our problem as Christians. I'll just pray harder. See, the universe is going to match your vibration whether you like it or not. That, that what you measure out is going to be measured back to you whether you like it or not. You get to choose life or death, blessing or cursing, whether you like it or not. If you believe the promised land is too big for you, God will confirm your belief. God will confirm your belief. If you believe God brought you out into the wilderness to die, God will confirm your belief. So you don't understand the power and the energy that you have to create, and even that that's part of the purpose of being a human being. Part of the purpose of being a human being is to be creative, and you create by the way you 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 envision. You create by the way that you feel. You create by the, the way that you talk to yourself. And, and you literally have a field. Listen to me, guys. You literally have a field that gets charged with ideas and thoughts and feelings. And the more you feed them with similar thoughts and similar feelings, the more your auric field, the energy field around you becomes charged with that. And the more that it becomes charged with that, the universe says, okay, on every level, listen to this, on every level, we're going to send you what you've charged your aura with. 
To confirm it to you. Because that's what you want. So watch this. I, I've been I've been looking at near-death experiences. See, see, here's part of our problem. When we're really honest, when we're just stuck in our Christianity, and we think we've got it right, and we've got the only way, and everybody else is deceived by the devil, everybody else is born in sin, and everybody else needs to be fixed, then guess what we allow into our life? People who are broken and in darkness and who need to be fixed that don't know Jesus. And that confirms what we believe. <laughs> And then we, we have our own encounters and whatever. Are you, are you tracking with me? Right? And what we don't ever think about and realize, so we, so we have people who come into our sphere who are broke, busted, and disgusted. They meet Jesus. They say the prayer. They have an awakening, and their life has changed. And they say, Jesus changed my life. What changed was their beliefs, their vibration. Now, what we ignore is, is that I could, I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who was raised in a Christian home, raised in a Christian family, went to Las Vegas and got hooked on a compulsive gambling, lost everything, could not quit his compulsive behaviors, met a woman from Utah, converted to Mormonism, felt the fire in his belly burning within when he heard Joseph Smith talking, and his life was completely transformed and he was set free from the power of compulsive behaviors by converting to Mormonism. And he became a Mormon evangelist. That was his experience. <laughs> I remember talking to my Hindu friend ten years ago, and, I, and we were moving in signs and wonders and power and healings, and I was telling him all about uh, signs and wonders and all this stuff, thinking I was going to win him over. He says, wow, my, my, my grandma, who was some kind of yogi, she does that and more. And he starts telling me the signs and wonders she's doing. Like, uh-oh. What do you do with that? I remember back then we were into inner healing prayer. You'd take people back into their memories and you'd bring Jesus into the memories and they would get healed from their problems. So I'm working with him on... It's a, I'm in a training to do this, Christian training, but he's Hindu. And I'd take him and guess who shows up in his memory? Not Jesus. Shiva. And guess what? He got the same healing that the Christian got when Jesus showed up in their in their field. It's the power of choice and consciousness. See, we want to believe there's some objective reality out there that just makes everything right and everything better, but life is too complicated and it doesn't fit into those pegs. Somebody else can find freedom and healing at a 12-step program from their higher power and believe their higher power is what's setting them free. They're getting the same results, the same fruit. Now, so watch this, watch this. So I've been watching some near-death experience. See, this is why people don't come back. Um, I've been watching these videos on near-death experiences, right? Fascinating stuff. There, there, so, so just a couple of them. There, there's this one guy from India who uh, was an atheist, scientific atheist, did not believe in God at all. Dies on an operating table, leaves his body, the, the, the normal stuff, right? I mean, he's dead. They can verify he's dead. When he dies, he, he leaves his body, he floats around, whatever. And then he ends up in this place where there is uh, trees and green fields and, and all this stuff. And he hears a voice that starts answering his questions. And the voice tells him, 
You already have within you every answer that you ever need to every question you will ever ask. And he begins to go inside himself and he says, all of a sudden the most incredible thing happened. He said, there was this golden light that showered me. And I had the greatest feeling of peace I've ever had in my life. He said, there aren't even words to describe it. There's so much love and so much peace. And I felt so okay in that moment. And he came out of that experience completely transformed and changed. Now watch this. He had been sick. He was in his 50. He had uh, some transplants. He'd been sick for 12 or 13 years. The last five years he had spent in bed. He died on the operating table. After that surgery, he got a supernatural healing. And guess what he did? He became one of the best Hindu meditators that was going inside and learning how to lose himself in nirvana and lose himself in the light. And his life was improved. What do you do with that, Christian? He didn't end up in hell. He didn't meet Jesus. He didn't know that stuff. So I watched that one. Then I watched one. A Jewish guy that grew up, uh, was Jewish, grew up in Israel in the United States, was very secular, had rejected, hated religion, said, I hated religion. He goes to a party, does some drugs, uh, doesn't know what he took, has an allergic reaction to it, gets out of there with his girlfriend, dies in the cab. Says he steps into a space that is timeless, said he felt like he'd been there for a thousand years. We make a long story short, he meets God. And what does God tell him? The key to life is the Torah. The key to a connection with God is the 613 mitzvot. You know, all those ones the grace preachers are telling you you don't have to follow to be right with God. And if you keep the 613 mitzvot, then you'll know peace and light and love. He goes on a tour of heaven. And God tells him, keep the Torah. And he comes back and guess what happens? He converts, he becomes a rabbi. And starts making better contributions to life. Another woman who is an agnostic, she dies. She meets God as some ethereal force that gives her these metaphysical keys to life. All these people were verified dead. (laughs) No pulse. All these people had near-death experiences. All of them came back transformed. All of them had signs and wonders following. None of them met Jesus. How am I doing with your core beliefs? (laughs) How am I doing with your limiting beliefs? Is it true what you believe? If you say, oh, no, no, that can't happen because we've got it all figured out. The person dies, they, they get judged based on this, based on whether or not they prayed the prayer, based on whether or not they believe in Jesus. That's how it happens. And then someone go to hell, someone go to heaven. That's just how it happens. We'll acknowledge that there's a million different ways to solve any problem in the world except our spiritual problems. And then there's only one way, and it's our way. Yeah, think about it. You got a financial problem, there's lots of ways you can go out and make money. You can start little businesses on the side, get into network marketing, um, get into you know groups where you barter with your skills, invest in the stock market, invest in bonds, buy real estate, rent houses, get a different job, work a second job. How many different ways can you solve a problem with lack? They're not just one way. How many different ways can an organization be run? How many different ways is there to manage people? 
Oh, but when it comes to our spiritual problems, it's got to be my way or the highway. And certainly God certifies my way. And then you hear stories like what I'm sharing and you just ignore them. Well, we don't know what to do with that. We don't know what to do with the God who tells the Jew that the Jewish people are God's chosen people and that they need to keep the 613 mitzvot to be right with God. Well, we understand the person in Judeo-Christian culture who's an atheist and dies and experiences hell. Because what do you suppose the unconsciously held beliefs are in that person? I didn't believe in God. I'm still conscious. There's got to be something after, but I didn't believe in God. I remember the preacher told me if I rejected Jesus, I was going to go to hell. And what happens? You enter into a state of consciousness that manifests hell. People who are Christians, die, they meet Jesus and their relatives. People in the East who die and believe there's a river that you cross over, they don't go through a tunnel, they get on a boat. Why? Because when your body dies, all that's left is consciousness. And all these things are ideas and feelings and beliefs that have their reality in consciousness. And when you leave your body, you enter the realm of consciousness. That's what you're saying, Aaron. You're saying, you know, so was the Hindu person stuck in Hindu heaven forever? Is the Mormon person stuck in Mormon heaven? Poor, poor ladies. Poor ladies that go to the Mormon heaven. Or Muslim women that go to the Muslim heaven. Or the person, the atheist, who goes to hell, do they stay stuck there? Well, let me ask you this question. You ever transform a belief? Do you ever stop believing in something and start believing in something else? See, whatever your auric field is charged with, that's what you're going to experience and attract in this life and the next, until that auric field breaks down and becomes charged with something else. So it, be careful what you believe. I wonder how many people have gone to a Christian hell after death because we created such a powerful representation of a Christian hell in the mind of the person who died. Now I've really taken away your Lord and you don't know where I've laid him. What am I saying? I'm saying God is with you because you are divine. You are, you are, you are an extension of God. You're an extension of Him. And, and part of being God-like is the ability to create with thought and word. In the beginning God created. How did God create? God said. Let there be, and there was. But before that, what did he do? He hovered over the face of the deep. And the word for hover there means he vibrated. He hovered. He vibrated. What are you vibrating with? What are you thinking about? What are you dwelling upon? What are you meditating about that's causing you to vibrate over your own creation? And then whatever you articulate with your words, that's what you're going to bring into manifestation. Behold, I sit before you this day, life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore you choose life. So how are you going to talk to yourself? How are you going to empower yourself? What are you going to start measuring out so that life can start measuring something different back to you? That's why it's so important to imagine the outcome as though it's already happened. 
Because when you imagine the outcome as though it's already happened, you start sending that vibration so that it can come into your realm of existence. Because you will always experience what you really believe. So here's the bad news for controlling codependent people. You're taking all your energy trying to control everybody else except yourself. You're focusing all your energy on working the problem out here instead of working the problem in here. And asking yourself, what do I really believe about this? What are the rules that I'm following in this situation and where did they come from? What do I really value about this and what is it that I want? And then am I choosing these beliefs? Am I choosing, are these my rules or somebody else's rules? Am I ple- Am I working with my authentic self trying to please and give an authentic expression of who I really am because of what I really believe? Or am I following somebody else's rules to keep them happy? Am I sacrificing my authentic self so that everybody else will be happy with who I am, but I'm not happy with who I am? And then I got news for you, they probably aren't happy with you either, so nobody's happy with who you are. How am I imagining this situation? I'll give you just a quick example. I worked with a guy that had a generalized anxiety disorder, was actually hospitalized in a mental hospital at times for, um, had, you know, been in and out of that and on meds and stuff for an anxiety disorder and couldn't get over. And I remember he was telling me about, you know, tell me about when you get anxious. Well, when I went, when I go to the grocery store, uh, I go to the grocery store and I start looking at stuff and I was there and all of a sudden I just had an anxiety attack. Okay, so what's going on behind the scenes? What's going on in your mind? What are you telling yourself? I'm telling myself that I'm worthless, that I'm no good, that I can't even make a decision, that I'm going to have a panic attack, that I shouldn't even be out. All this stuff. And I said, okay, whose voice is it? And he had to think there for a minute. Is it your voice or somebody else's voice? And he sat there and thought for a minute, and he said, it's my father's voice. Where's your fa- Where's that voice coming from? When you're hearing it. Is, it, is it up here? Is it around here? It's right in front of my face. In fact, I see my father's face yelling at me. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You want a recipe for anxiety, that's it. Because if you're seeing a parent, you're automatically feeling like a child. So watch this. All that's happening is the man is standing in a grocery store trying to make a decision. That's all that's happening outside. But what's happening inside, unconscious even to him, is he's running this tape about how worthless and no good and and what a POS he is and all this other stuff. And he's hearing it in his father's voice and he's seeing in his mind his father there chewing him out, which automatically associates him into a weakened, powerless, childlike State, which is enough to make anybody feel powerless about making a decision. It's activating traumas from his childhood. So it's, it's his nervous system is not responding to the decision in front of him. His nervous system is responding to his father yelling at him, but it's going on at a level of, conscious, at a level of consciousness he was able to suppress. So fortunately for this person... They had a model of Jesus, watch this, they had a model of Jesus that was gracious, that was merciful, that was empowering, right? So where do you see Jesus when you see Jesus? Oh, I see him up here. Okay, so take that picture of your dad and move that picture 
up and give it to Jesus. What happened? I just took the unresourceful pattern and I gave it to a pattern that was full of resources. And I moved it in my experience up here. And then I had him take the voice of his father and move it down to his big toe and make it sound like Mickey Mouse. (laughs) It's kind of hard to take Mickey Mouse seriously when it's down there chewing you out. But I was working with his childlike frame. Meeting him where he was at. Get it? Guess what? He got healed. But watch this. Jesus was empowering for them. Jesus came and took it away. So now when he's standing there, he's standing before Jesus. And he feels grace and compassion with himself. And he feels like he can make a decision. And another lady who was describing a traumatic memory and brought Jesus into the memory. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus turned his back on her and walked away and left her in her pain. Now, why would Jesus do that? That's very un-Jesus-like to do that. And back in the hyper-deliverance day, oh, that was a false Jesus. Let's find out where you messed around with divination cards or some false religion or something. You know why Jesus walked away from her? Because she believed that Jesus had abandoned her at a crucial point in her life. So guess what Guess what was happening? She was experiencing what she believed. And getting more of it. He says, tell me about a time Jesus abandoned you when my husband died. So in that session, we helped her resolve grief. And guess what? Get rid of her agoraphobia so that she could go out and be in crowds without having panic attacks. One session. But identifying what's your model of the world, what is it that you really believe, and giving you the power of choice to choose a different set of beliefs. I know I've talked too long for some of you, so I will let you go. But does this help you? If you don't take anything away from it, just start noticing how you talk to yourself, how you represent reality to yourself, and start asking yourself, what do I really believe at a core level about this? What do I really believe at a core level about myself? And then, is this the outcome that I want? Is this the belief I want to hold on to? And if it's not, then give yourself the freedom to rewrite the script. Have a great day. (laughs) Thank you for listening.